five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Monday morning after the worst game in Alabama football history? It did remind me a lot of 1998 Arkansas when we lost like 46 to 6. It reminded yeah. me a lot of that. Hey, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you can't be 12-0 uh, and 0 without winning the first two. And I like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I like our chances in the next two games. Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, um, Nick Saban wouldn't be happy with that comment, but I'll certainly support it. I'm not afraid to <laughs> No, it, I actually felt pretty good about their chances in this game too. And I think a lot of people ended up being wrong, but myself included, and I'll certainly be willing to admit that. Now, granted, I did say my actual prediction was that they were going to cover the spread. And I thought that they were going to have too much for, Quinn Ewers. I thought that he would not have enough time and room to operate with Alabama's pass rush. I was wrong on that. But I did say the day before the game that this was giving me very, and now everybody's comparing it to the 2021 Iron Bowl, but mine was pregame. It just, it felt like they were 20 and a half point favorites in the Iron Bowl. They were going on the road in a tough environment. You had the rivalry factor, which everybody wants to bring up. It's a huge difference. That's what people were saying prior to the game. My point was that, you know, you got the Steve Sarkeesian, Nick Saban storyline and, and you know, nobody, the, the, the most important thing was that nobody was giving Auburn a chance based off of personnel and just the talent discrepancy between the two. And nobody was giving Texas a chance. And so to me, just going in, it's like my, the whole point of me making that post, like I did, was to say, you still got to play the football game. You know, you, you can be on paper, they should destroy Texas. But at the end of the day, these games, there's so much more than just, you know, who's more talented on paper going in, you know, that you can never fully take into account the motivational drive that a particular or the emotional drive that a particular game is going to create. So that was something to look out for. I just thought that Alabama, this was a chance for them to make a huge statement. And, and that statement could have been, we're not the same team we were last year. We can go on the road and put our focus where it needs to be and do the things that we need to do and come out with a huge victory. I don't think they had anything to prove. Everybody thought they were the best team in the country. There was nothing to prove on that front. But that's where I thought they had something to prove, and we didn't get it. And so kind of what are your initial thoughts on the game? What are your thoughts on that? You know, were you surprised by anything that you saw on Saturday? Well, I was surprised by a lot because, like you, I, I, I predicted Alabama would win 42-21, to 21 and I felt pretty pretty confident about that. I did I did almost get the Texas score. I, I was I was almost fifty percent. I can't even call myself fifty percent right though because the game played out so differently than I predicted. Um, it, some of it is just hey, look, I, you know, I'll I'll get into the weeds in terms of why I think Alabama's not playing as well as we expected in some areas. But just in general, college football is very hard. Uh, it's hard to win every single week. We could just sit here and list. Uh, the teams that will tell you that this morning, like Notre Dame and like Texas A&M, <laughs> you know, that, that were top 10 teams that lost to teams far inferior to the Texas Longhorns. Uh, it, it's hard. And when I say, I say all the time to the point now people are getting tired of it. When I say coach Saban hasn't spoiled us, he's ruined us. Uh, it, it, it's about this. It's about the fact that Alabama fans feel immune to uh, close games uh, unless you're playing against top five teams. and But this is the reality of college football. This is what everyone else deals with. And, and, and hey, this, this, this may make it to old takes exposed next week or bad takes exposed, whatever they call that on, on Twitter. Uh, I think Georgia, as good as they are, and they are outstanding. Georgia's really good. Uh, they'll go on the road and play a good team Saturday in South Carolina. South Carolina just lost to Arkansas. We know they're not great. We know South Carolina's not a top 10 football team, probably not even a top 20 football team. I, I, I'll be surprised if Georgia just waxes them. I'll be surprised. I, I, I'm not saying Georgia's going to lose. They're not. But I just think Georgia's going to end for a real football game Saturday, just like Alabama was in a real football game this past Saturday. And it's just hard 
to go on the road and beat a good team. Nick Saban's success has has made Alabama fans forget that, but it is hard. Well, and and as the media, we certainly contribute. I mean, I, I think naturally I'm an optimistic person, and I look through an optimistic lens, but you know, there was a lot to be optimistic about, right? I mean, people, there were questions with the offensive line on Saturday, uh, and we'll get into that more momentarily. But I thought going into the year, based off of people that we had talked to and sources, and the sources were pretty solid. Jimmy, you know, um, where we were getting the information from was was about as solid as you can get. And they felt really confident in the offensive line and the personnel that they had. And you had Eric Wolford you know, as the new offensive line coach. And there was a lot of optimism there. There was a lot of optimism in the guys that they brought in to play receiver. You know, everybody, I think, knew that they were going to take some kind of, you know, slight step back, expecting these guys to come in or expecting to be able to get two 1,000-yard receivers again. Uh, a guy who broke 1,500 yards and ever had 15 touchdowns and Jamison Williams and just the the vertical element that he brought to the table on top of being a more of a complete receiver than just a vertical guy. Those are all very difficult things to replace. Um, you know, at cornerback, you know, everybody thought, myself included, hey, there are question marks. And that was the one going in. You know, we had heard that the offensive line was making positive development. We had heard that the off the uh, wide receivers have been making positive development. Corner was the one spot where it's like there's still competition. We know they have options. It wasn't a concern necessarily with options. It was uh, simply determining who those options were going to be, who was going to be the ones to step up and kind of take over that job. But I guess my question to you is, you know, we, we, we had all these positive expectations. And to me, based off of my thoughts going into the year, I feel like they've fallen well short in some areas. They've fallen a little bit short in other areas. And my question to you is, how are, how are you viewing, based off of what we all thought and what we talked about preseason compared to now, what are your thoughts on how things are you know trending and going for Alabama? First of all, the defense is fine. I don't even want to spend a lot of time on the defense. Any, any, any uh, uh, I mean, Alabama has given up one touchdown in eight quarters. One touchdown in eight quarters. And, 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 and we could talk about the competition all day, but not many teams – I've given up just one touchdown eight quarters. Defense is fine. Uh, they do need to improve in some areas. I mean, cornerback is still, I think, a question there a little bit, although I'm confident that, that they do have the pieces. Uh, defense is fine. The problems are on offense, and or, or the problem on Saturday was on offense, and it's obviously not Bryce. It's not Bryce. Now, that doesn't mean that Bryce won't – make bad plays or that Bryce it, it could, can be off. I, I still question, and I did in the offseason, I'm not sure Bryce has a lot of improving to do with maybe some pre-snap reads and and then then reads as the play progresses. I think he's held on to the ball a little long on some plays. Um, and I don't think Bryce is perfect, but Bryce obviously is capable of engineering a high-level offense. The problem to me starts with the run game, Clint, I think the offensive line has not been great. I'm not sure anyone expected it to be great. I think some of us expected it to, to improve, maybe be a little more solid than a year ago, and that hasn't been the case yet, but it is early. Uh, I'm not sure, though, and, and I'm anxious to hear your opinion on this. I'm not sure when you say, or when I say, or when we say, the run game hasn't been good. I think people have a tendency, Clint, to think we, we just we just blame that all on the offensive line. And I'm really not. I, I think there's a lot of pieces to that. I think having capable playmakers outside helps your run game. I think the offensive line being more physical and aggressive helps your run game. Play calling can help your run game. The backs pressing the hole can 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 help your run game. The backs making something happen when it ain't there can help your run game. I think it's all of those things and not necessarily, well, the offensive line sucks. That's that's just too too simple of a reason. And and I don't really necessarily think it's true. Now I'm in, I've not watched the replay yet. I can't wait to. I'm just in day two of transit on the way home from I'm still on the way home from Austin and won't won't get to uh to to Daphne until tonight. But uh I, I'm anxious, anxious to watch the replay. And and this could be wrong. 
But my early feeling is, much like Utah State, I'm going to watch the replay and think, you know, the offensive line isn't very good, but it isn't as bad as I thought it was live. And and because that was my take watching the Utah State replay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Uh, I, I feel like we end up aligning a lot in our thoughts um, when it comes to this kind of stuff. What I'll say is that the offensive line was not the it, it was not a singular thing, and and you can blame everything on the offensive line. You know, I think that Bryce Young did hold on to the football uh, too long a couple of times. Granted, I think that that hat was more of – I don't think it was any sort of issue with him reading the defense. I'm th- I'm thinking he's reading the defense just fine, just nobody was getting open. And, right. and the correct decision was to, you know, get rid of the football or escape the pocket. Now, on one of those sacks, you know, by the time I think he was ready to escape and, and try to create more time or throw the football away on the move, get outside the pocket, do whatever he needed to do, defender was right on him and, and was able to sack him. Um, but I think that – that is more of a product of just Texas playing really good defense. Uh, guys not getting open for one reason or, or another, whether it be just because it was good defense or it was guys who were unable to create separation, whatever your thoughts are on that. And I guess we'll get into more into that later. But so you had that. I thought the running backs did a pretty poor job. And by pretty poor, I mean really poor in pass protection. Very, very bad. Uh, what's interesting is that I had this question about Jameer Gibbs. And the way that I put it was, it's not that I don't think that he can, it's that we haven't seen a whole lot of it. Because at Georgia Tech, I mean, over the last two years, when he was at Georgia Tech, they they threw the football 625 times. Alabama threw it close to 1,000. So almost double the amount of pass attempts in the last two years. That's the the offense that Jameer Gibbs was in. And and when they were, you know, throwing the football – do you think mm-hmm. he was in there for pass protection or do you think he was out there running routes? He was out there right. running routes, dynamic receiving back. So there just wasn't a whole lot to go and say, is he good? Is he bad? From what I'd seen, he wasn't that great, but I'm like, this might just be something where once he gets starts getting asked to do it more, he, he looked bad on a couple of snaps. And then it got to a point where it's like, let's just put Jace, Jace back there and let's, you know, split Jameer Gibbs out wide. And and if, when we do put him back there, let's have him running, you know, swing passes and things like that. They did a pretty good job of masking it at that point. Um, I, I mean, he he didn't – I didn't see pass pro from him for a while. I don't know exactly how long it was, but that is an issue. You know, I think Jace is better in that area. I also noticed that Jace, you know, messed up a couple of times as well. So I don't think the, the, the running back pass protection was great. So that's going to contribute to pressure. Right. I mean, and people are going to blame the offensive line because it's pressure and it's like pressure can come from a lot of different areas. Right. I mean, Robbie Utes, uh, he, you know, allowed some pressure in the first game and he got beat, you know, having to to block. And that's a tight end, not an offensive lineman. So I don't think it's as much of a big deal as some people are making out it to be on that front. The concern that I have, and I do think penalties are contributing. It certainly contributed on Saturday. That's Penalties are momentum killers. The very first snap of the game, before the Heat could could get to anybody or anybody was fatigued or you know anything, the first snap of the game, Alabama runs the football, gets six yards with Jameer Gibbs at second and four. What's the second snap of the game? It's a false start by J.C. Latham. Back him up five yards. Now it's second and what? You know, second, nine. Yeah, probably changes the play call. A hundred percent. And they ended up getting a first down after that, and it wasn't until later in the drive that they stalled. But my point is, is those types of things are what what ended up happening. Alabama had to convert a third and long. And you kept asking them early in the game, convert these third and longs. You're getting behind, you know, as far as you're down in distance. It's, you know, second longs, it's third and longs. And you're asking Bryce Young just to keep keep doing what you're doing, man. Just keep bailing us out. And, and you know, he can do that nine out of ten times. But if that tenth time it comes at the 40-yard line, you still got to punt the football. I mean, you know, that. I mean, so that's kind of my point is that penalties are breaking momentum. It, it's, it's screwing with things. I think, and, and I, I saw people point this out, we talked about this last year quite a bit. I'm glad that more people are getting on board with this. I think that a Bill O'Brien problem right now is allowing your play clock to get you get way too deep into it. When you are snapping the football with 15 seconds left in the play clock, the defense doesn't know when you're snapping it. It could be, it could happen on, you know, it, it, the, the, the opportunities are 
seemingly endless as far as when you can snap it. When there's three seconds left in the play clock, the defense knows exactly when you're snapping the football. And you've already got an offensive line that you're trying to protect or trying to bring it along, and you are putting them at a bigger disadvantage by allowing the defenders, the defensive line in the pass rush, to know when they're snapping the football and when they need to have their get off. So I think that it's really a combination of a lot of factors that's contributing to the poor play offensively, especially when it comes to running the football, but also in pass protection. All right. And let's let's all remember this. Football is a is there's such a recency effect of football. If you ask an Alabama fan right now, oh, you know, how good is Alabama? You know, what's Alabama's problems? They're they're gonna talk about nothing but the Texas game and not refer to the Utah State game at all. I mean, now now I know Utah State lost to Weber State and 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 now they're they don't look as competitive as maybe we thought they might be, but the Utah State is game is still evidence of what Alabama is. Alabama isn't the Texas game. Alabama is 2-0, and 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 what they did on the field against Utah State and against Texas both matters. And I say that to say that the offense is still quite capable. It's, it's capable. I, I don't think this is a situation to where Alabama is going to struggle to score points throughout the entirety of the season. I do think the road atmosphere, Texas being better than thought, uh, Alabama struggles on the road. I think Alabama's offensive line may have continued to have communication issues. I don't know that, but I think that that's a, a good possibility. It was a loud stadium. Uh, there, there was a lot of intensity in the stadium. Will Anderson commented that it was the most intense atmosphere he thinks he's played in. I think people ought to listen to that, you know, and, and, and take that into account. Uh, but gosh, this is four of five five the five last true road games Alabama's played in. They haven't played well at all. Four of the five. And I think personally uh, they face their biggest road challenge in years <laughs> against Arkansas. Uh, certainly a bigger road challenge than they faced in all of 2021. Um, Arkansas is better than Texas. They're just better. They have a better playmaker at quarterback and in KJ Jefferson, they're tougher. They're just better. They're somehow, some way, they might even have a few more dudes than Texas, which is really hard to imagine. But I think, true when you look at maybe Hazelwood and and what they have at running back and that they're great on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball but we'll, we'll worry about that when it gets here but my point is if Alabama doesn't fix whatever the problem is on the road they will lose to Arkansas uh, you know that that effort against Texas would have been a loss uh, against Arkansas uh and as to what those those road woes are, I'm not sure. Again, I think it's more offense and defense. If you look at Texas, if you look at Auburn um, a year ago, uh, you know, it is the offense of, of late. So, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see if Alabama is able to improve even playing lesser opponents these next two games. If you would have told me going into the game, Alabama is going to hold – B. John Robinson to, you know, 2.7, 2.8 yards per carry. And Roshan Johnson is going to be, you know, just over three. So collectively, they're going to be sitting around, you know, 2.8, 2.9 yards per carry, if I had to guess. If you would have told me that going in, I would have said Alabama is going to absolutely smoke Texas. They're going to win by 40 points. And I feel really good about it because my big thing all week was that Texas has to figure out a way to run the football and to take as much pressure off of, Quinn Ewers as possible and to keep Alabama's offense off the field as much as possible. And that was the key to victory for them. And I had said all week, I think Bijan's going to get his um, as far as rushing yardage. I, I predicted somewhere between 70 to 75, but I was like, I, I really think that it's going to be, that's going to be through volume and not, you know, being successful, actually running it. I thought that it would be like a three. I think I was predicting like a, 3.3, you know, to 3.5 yard per carry average from him. And I thought, you know, getting 20 to 25 carries is kind of where you get up there near 70 to 80 yards. And he, I think he had like less than 60. He had 21 rushes. And so Alabama did exactly what I thought they'd be able to do based off of last year. And the fact that they had a great run stopping defense, they don't get enough credit from that for that. You know, were they perfect in every game? No, Florida certainly had success running the football. There were other teams who had success running it. But overall, they had a very good run defense. And I thought with tech, that tech, young Texas offensive line, they were going to struggle to create consistent movement in the run game. 
And then I'm like, the problem is, is when you're putting that offense in down and distant situations, actually a lot of the the situations that Alabama was finding itself in, sticking a, a, a redshirt freshman second game starter like Quinn Ewers back there behind an offensive line that had one sophomore, true sophomore, two true freshmen starting on it, going against Alabama's pass rush. I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll rack up double-digit sacks. This is a recipe for disaster for Texas. But they didn't run the football effectively. But what did they do? They kept Alabama from putting up points and never got to a point where, you know, Texas felt like we have to press. You know, we, we got to get going here. We got to score points. You know, they were settling for field goals. I thought that was probably Sark had a phenomenal game calling it. Uh, I thought he made a couple of questionable decisions. You don't kick field goals and beat Alabama. I mean, unless you're Texas A&M at the end of, you know, the game uh, last year, you go for go for broke, man. Go go big or go home. Um, but, you know, so the, the, the defense did a phenomenal job. They're way further along than I thought they would be. We had they looked good against Louisiana Monroe, but we're like Alabama's a much different beast. We'll find out just how good they are this weekend, and we'll be able to tell. They passed that test to me, man. Uh, they looked yeah. uh, fantastic. So they were able to do that. They, you know, the the pass rush and people are are defending the pass rush, and I I do think that there there's some defense to be had. Uh, but you know, Moody was one of the ones that got the sack. Uh, who was the other? Was a defensive back? Uh, was it? Um, who was the Defensive back. So, was it Branch? Was it Branch? Uh, I can pull it up real Mm -hmm. quick. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't Branch? I know that. It was Kool Aid. Kool Aid. -Aid. I I knew it was somebody that was like it's not somebody that you would have expected to get it from. But so that's where two year three sacks came from. Your Turner. Well, he didn't get a sack. Dallas didn't get a sack, but his pass rush on Ewers changed the game. You know, uh, when 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 Dallas Turner hit, hit Ewers, that wasn't a sack because Ewers threw it away. But uh, I mean that 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 was everything but one inch short of a sack. Sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties, but we'll jump right back in. Uh, Jimmy, I'm not sure exactly where we left things, but we'll kind of just move on. Yeah. Uh, and one thing about it, a lot of people have question marks about the receivers and the lack of creating separation and you know, all this stuff. Are you concerned about that at all? Or, you know, do you think that people are kind of overblowing the whole thing? A little of both. I mean, it is overblown. Uh, There wasn't a lot of problems with separation in week one again. And I know you're going to say, oh, you know, it's Utah State. It's not, it's not Texas and Texas isn't Georgia. Uh, Well, we don't have to play Georgia just yet. Um, Just got to play Monroe next. Um, But it, it is a thing. And this is, it's what we talked about, you know, so many of the quote problems, Clint, right now is stuff me and you talked about all summer long when we identified, okay, what's, what could be the biggest problem on this team? The offensive line. Okay. Is there another problem on this team? Well, the wide receiver core, maybe. <laughs> and now the offensive line didn't play them well. Wide receivers aren't getting open and fans are going, what the heck is all this? Well, it's what we talked about all summer, really. Um, th- those were the units to watch for any number of reasons. Uh, to me, uh, Jermaine Burton was 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 really disappointing on Saturday. I'm sure he'd probably tell you the same thing. I, I think Burton has to be the guy that is the go-to receiver. That 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 that's the guy we can go to when we struggle. Uh, and because he's the veteran, he he does not lack for any uh, physical skill. I saw somebody saying, "Hey, we need one to get one of these burners involved." You know, Burton runs a four-four. Are we so fast that the four four guy is is the slow guy? I mean, Jermaine Burton runs a true four four forty. He did for pro scouts this this spring in, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, he's fast. He's big. He's bigger than the smaller guys. Uh, he's played a lot, and he had what two catches for ten yards or something on Saturday, uh, and had a terrible drop. Did not drop a single ball in twenty twenty one. Drop one on Saturday. So. Burton was disappointing this Saturday. He, he's got to flush that, and, and, and that's the end of that. He's got to be the go-to guy. Holden has improved over last season, and he really helped us out, especially late. So did Ja'Cory Brooks, who helped us out late. Kobe Prentice has a ton of potential and promise. It makes sense, Clint, that a freshman would be a freshman in September and maybe someone we can really count on in November. Uh, so – I'm not giving up on this wide receiver crew by any means, but I think we should have known 
as we talked about all summer, that this would sort of be a work in progress there. And, uh, and hey, this is a Bryce without a go-to guy. I mean, last year, Bryce had Jamison. He had Mechie. The year before, we had Mac Jones, who had seemingly half of the NFL at wide receiver. Uh, hey, uh, th this is a little bit more of, of, a, of, of something that's under development. You want to know where I think we screwed up the most when it comes to the wide receivers? I think we overreacted to the amount of progress that could have possibly been made between scrimmage one and scrimmage two. Because yeah. after scrimmage one, Nick Saban was warning us, we've got to get Bryce Young on the same page with the guys that he's going to be throwing the football to on Saturdays. And then a week later, Treshawn Holden balls out. You know, Kobe Prentice has a good day. Jermaine Burton has a good day. And then we all of a sudden, it's like, I mean, I know personally, I was like, they've made so much progress from scrimmage one to scrimmage two. And then you think the issue's fixed because from that point, you're still a couple of weeks away from the, the first game of the season. And you think, man, if they continue to make progress on this pace, they're really going to be in a good spot come game one. And then by the time things really matter and you go to Austin in week two, that's three weeks from now. They're really going to be in good a good place. That's not how it works. And I should have known better than to have believed that's how it works. Uh, this is still a group of receivers that's trying to find and build chemistry with Bryce Young. And that is going to take time. Um, you know, I, I think that one thing about it is John Mechie had been in the system. He knew what to do. And that was important. And he was available. And Slade Bolden was available. And, and Jamison Williams, I mean, you look, Bryce Young threw a pass to Jamison Williams against Utah State. He didn't throw a pass to, to Jermaine Burton. That overthrow, one of the only vertical throws that we've seen in two games, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed that, but that was a throw to Jamison Williams. Jamison Williams and that type of connection, Jamison Williams would have run under, underneath that ball. Uh, Jermaine Burton, he, he's fast, certainly. He's not the vertical player that Jamison Williams is. So he's still adjusting. you got to take a little bit off of that if you're throwing to Jermaine Burton, right? You got to give him an opportunity to run underneath it. He's, he's not going to be one of these vertical guys. And I do think missing that vertical element is affecting Alabama's team. Now, granted, how much of that is offensive line and protection related? Offensive line, running backs, tight ends, we'll go ahead and include everybody because it's been kind of a collective effort. Uh, and how much of that is, you know, you not having that piece that you can trust? That guy's supposed to be Tyler Harrell. If he offers nothing else to your offense, him bringing that vertical element certainly opens things up and it makes defense play you differently. We all saw how Georgia and that elite defense played Alabama in the national title game when Jamison Williams went down. It condensed the field for them. They got to more so play everything in front of them. When you've got, you know, Jamison Williams, you have a guy who you can play too high safety. Doesn't matter. He's going to bust coverage, man. He's going to run right by your guys. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing. He's a problem, and you have to respect that. Right now, who are you respecting as the vertical element to Alabama's passing game? That means they can't win vertically. It's, it's who's the guy that, that you fear, I guess is the better way to put it. I think Isaiah Bond can be that. I haven't seen it yet. They haven't really used him too much vertically. And he's a, he's a freshman. He's still working through some things. When you get opportunities, you got to make that catch. You know, it, it was a tough catch to make. Don't get me wrong, but you make it. Bryce Young says, I trust this guy a little bit more now because, you know, I, I extended the play, threw him the football, and he made the catch, and we got a good play out of it. But are you concerned at all about the the lack of explosive games or explosive gains from the passing attack? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I am, and it's obviously not. I mean, we know Bryce is good. It's not that. I think, I, I think it's a combination of all of it. Again, I, I think, I think Bryce can be sharper. I, I think I've seen Bryce throw the ball more accurately and more consistently than I have in these first two games, but Bryce is fine. I think the pass protection needs to improve. It's not horrible. It's fine. <laughs> it, it needs to be better. And I think the receivers need to gain more separation. Hey, one thing about the vertical routes, as you know, when I say the pass protection has to get better, uh, the pass protection has to be a lot better just to throw the vertical routes. I mean, th those things take a, a moment to develop. It's not a, a, a three-step and the ball's out situation I mean Bryce needs time back there and several snaps he does I, I I'm struck by on some snaps Bryce does have time to go back there and film another fansville commercial I mean he, he's he, he's got good protection on many snaps other snaps th there isn't any but you know pass protection's tough you know if the other team's bringing six 
That means all five of your offensive linemen and probably the back, they all have a block to execute. It only takes one of them not making the block, and there's a ton of pressure on the quarterback. It only takes one miss out of six guys, and, and they can all sort of literally take turns missing their guy, and it's a complete disaster while each individual offensive lineman isn't actually playing terrible. They're actually winning eight out of ten, nine out of ten battles. But, you know, if they're all losing, you know, a couple out of every ten, that's a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So uh, I think all of those things have to improve before we see more explosive plays from the wide receiver unit. Wide receivers have to do better. Offensive line has to do better. Bryce has to do better. Running backs have to do a better job of picking up the blitz. I think it's all of it. And that makes it sound disastrous. I really don't think it is. I, I really think – I'm not going to call it a one-off, like, you guys are crazy. This is just the one bad game they're going to play and they're going to kill everybody the rest of the season. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, what I'm saying, I do think Texas indicated things aren't perfect. <laughs> things aren't awesome in every area, and that's where you have to improve on. But I do think that I chalk most of Saturday up to good opponent – who played great in a tough environment, and Alabama still found a way to win the game. Uh, I, I think it's more that than it's this sucks, that sucks, this other thing sucks. Uh, that, that that's what I think. Well, it, yeah, this definitely uh, you know this or that sucks. It, it, what we're doing here is we're talking about things that a a lot of concerns that people are sharing, and then also things that they need to improve on. I think what the Texas game proved is Alabama's got to get better. It's week two. Yep. It's not out like this is, you know, the LSU mm -hmm. game last year or the Iron Bowl last year, which is like at most you got three games left. You got the SEC championship and you got a couple of playoff games if you're lucky. Uh, this is week two. A lot of football left to be played. A lot of improvement can be made. I think some of the concerns for fans is that there's not this trust. You know, before, if there was – early issues in a season, Alabama fans trusted those issues were going to get resolved. They were not going to be issues, or at least not to the same degree, in game 9, 10, 11, 12, as they are in game 1 and 2 and 3, right? Last year, the issues they had against Florida in the Swamp are the same issues that they had throughout the entire year. They didn't improve much on their offensive line. They didn't improve handling the road and, and issues that being on the road provides. They didn't improve as far as you know, a lot of things that ended up biting them, you know, in the end. And I think that that's where the concern comes in for fans. They, they, they need to see it. They, they need to, Alabama needs to build that trust back with his fans. Like, I mean, I, they don't have to, I mean, it's not like they're obligated, but I'm saying if you want the criticism to stop, build that trust back up because right now everybody's thinking the offensive line's continuing to struggle. And I watched it not improve a bit last year. And I think it's going to do the same thing this year. And I think that's, what's going to keep us from winning the national championship again. And so they're in like this world ending type mode. And right. I mean, and I, so I, I, I understand it from that perspective, but I still believe in Eric Wolford. I still believe that yeah. they're going to be able to get things corrected on the offensive line at receiver. They're expected to get Tyler Harrell and Jojo Earl back sometime in the early parts of October, according to reports, which is going to add a ton as far as veteran experience and just adding that vertical element and what he can maybe bring to the offense. So I don't think it's any reason to panic, but, Speaking specifically, we'll talk a little bit more on the offensive line and Bill O'Brien, and then we'll kind of move on more to defensive stuff. Uh, I do think the combination, and I do say the combination, of Kendall Randolph and Darian Dalcourt is a problem. You know, going into mm -hmm. the year, all throughout the offseason, what do we say about this offensive line? Yeah, they lost Evan Neal, but you can't point to any one spot and say that's, that's where we're getting them. That's where we're going to be able to apply consistent pressure. Right now, if I'm a defense, I'm looking at Darian Dalcourt and I'm looking at Kendall Randolph and I'm saying, I feel pretty good about our chances of being able to, to apply fairly consistent pressure on Bryce Young through that avenue or that route. Um, I don't know if you'll see more JV and Cohen moving forward. We'll have to wait and see. I don't know that it could certainly improve. I think Darian Dalcourt's a better run blocker than he is a pass protector. That's, that's period. And I think that there are some issues and those issues were highlighted. Still think he's a good player. Still think he can improve. Definitely don't think Alabama needs to give up on him, but that's something that's got to improve or you got to get somebody else involved in that competition or get Seth McLaughlin back in that competition 
and see who uh, who ends up prevailing. But then also with Bill O'Brien, one thing I'll say about him, and then I'll kick it to you and let you respond. You know, there was a after the Florida State game in 2017, Alabama struggled offensively. Jalen Hurts struggled offensively, and I went back and I dove into the film, and I found a thousand reasons why people were overreacting to his performance. And I defended him to the end of ends of this earth. And there was a lot of justifiable things, drop passes, penalties, you know, all sorts of things that I'd found that, that led to his very limited results. But then as the season wore on, you could continue to find those things and defend him. But the bottom line is as a whole collectively, the offense didn't perform as well with Jalen Hurts as the starter. That's that was the bottom line for whatever reason, whether it was his fault or somebody else's when he was in there for for some odd reason, they didn't have the same issues when Tua would come in. But with with Jalen in that particular season, when he was in there, they had those issues. And at a a certain point, you got to say, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just the the guys around him aren't as confident in him as they are, too. And that makes them play more poorly. Or maybe the offensive coordinator doesn't trust him as much. Whatever reason, things just look better. And what we'll say is that there are justifiable reasons for Bill O'Brien's offenses to have kind of struggled. There are plenty of things that you can point to and say, this isn't the offensive line was such a hindrance last year. That's not on Bill O'Brien. That's not his fault. He he had to completely adjust what he did or what he wanted to do based off of poor offensive line performance. Same thing on Saturday. And so you can justify a lot of his decision-making and not trusting the offensive line to run the football more consistency Guys are getting penalties and putting them in second long and third and longs. You're not going to be able to get any sort of consistent run game going in those instances. But at the same time, we are starting to learn it is a pattern, and the pattern's got to break. We Alabama, we didn't see these issues with other offense coordinators, you know, during the Nick Saban era. So things need to get corrected, or these calls for replacing and, and firing or whatever they're going to continue whether they're warranted or not is beside the point. It's going to continue. So what are your thoughts on Bill O'Brien and what are your thoughts on the offensive line? The offensive line does have to improve. I, I, I tend to, you know, look at each individual and, and see, okay, well, where, where is the problem? And you already really identified, I think with Dow court and Randolph, but Latham is highly promising. And, and, Again, I haven't watched th- this this tape just yet. I, I hope to do that to, uh, on Tuesday. I mean, on Wednesday, actually. Um, but I, I think Latham Latham's going to be the right tackle all year. I think Steen and, and Echior will be where they are all year, and they're fine. They're not awesome, but but they're not also not bad. They're they're probably pro football players. They're just not high round picks. I think Latham could be down the road. I think the problem is the other two spots. And I won't be surprised if we see personnel changes there and we end up going with Cohen and McLaughlin. And frankly, all spring and summer long, Clint, you and I, when we projected the starting lineup, who did we have at left guard and center? Cohen and McLaughlin, not Randolph and Dalcourt. And I'm not saying they're playing the wrong guys. There's a reason Randolph and Dalcourt are out there. We're just not at practice every day, you know, uh, to, to, to watch those competitions unfold. And also, I think Seth's been banged up some. I think that's been a factor, too. Um, but – uh, you know, at, at the same time, uh, the offensive line has has to improve based on what we saw against Texas. But as far as Bill O'Brien, I, you know, I think it's more like you said, uh, it, it's going to be old if we're always looking for the excuse. You, you know, there and, and there's a different excuse every week because it doesn't matter. He's responsible for it. He's responsible for the offense. I just think when you look at last season's offense as a whole in terms of how many points per game were you scoring? The offense was pretty good. <laughs> offense is pretty good. Um, I, I just think there's too small of a sample size this year. Uh, I'm never big on criticizing play calling. I'm more about execution. I noticed the same people that criticize play calling also say things like, gosh, our offensive line is just terrible. We need to run the ball more. Well, <laughs> the offensive line is terrible. I'm not sure run the ball more is a good Okay. Just like if you're saying, God, pass protection's terrible. We're not calling enough pass plays. I mean, <laughs> it's all about the execution of the plays. I mean, it's not play calling if you're not executing the play that is called. Why did, Why does anyone else, if it's execution, why does someone believe that a different play call is going to result in better execution? If Alabama was executing all the plays really well and they still weren't scoring or moving the ball, 
Now we'll move to play calling. But until you execute better, it doesn't matter what what, what the play call is. Uh, they just have to have to perform it better. Um, Bill O'Brien's responsible for the quarterback play. He happens to be the best player on the team. I think Bill O'Brien deserves some level of credit for for Bryce and and and, and where he is in his career and, and his game. And I, I just want to see a bigger sample size of you know Louisiana Monroe is not going to tell us a ton, but I honestly wouldn't like to be them on Saturday. I think they're going to get an Alabama team uh, trying to prove something, especially on offense. And I think you will see an explosive offense Saturday. Some of that's just going to be on Monroe not being really good. Uh, but some of it's going to be on uh, sharper, tougher practices this week for the offense. Yeah, and I think that this was, you know, needed, this type of performance. You know, last year, we said the same thing after the Florida game, right? It was the same storyline. It was, man, I think Alabama's going to go into the swamp, and I think they're going to whip up on, on Florida pretty good. And then they don't. They, they Really, they were a, a couple of possessions away from it being a complete blowout. Uh, two-point conversion, yeah, they were. And on two-point conversion away from overtime where they probably would have lost. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how it was. They completely just – they couldn't sustain. That was their big issue. But – and what happened after that win? It was, man, Alabama dodged a bullet. But I think that this can act as the same kind of motivational factor as a loss. You know, without having to suffer the loss, you can point at it and say, hey – you don't do what you need to do. This is what can happen. We really probably should have gotten beat. Get your mind right. We're, we're saying the same thing this year. It didn't work last year. I mean, I got they, they got to the national championship, but there's a reason that Nick Saban it calls it a rebuilding year. It, I mean, anybody prior to that SEC championship against Georgia would have 100% agreed that it was a rebuilding year, and they get up and they get things done. One performance against Georgia – they play a team that they match up extremely well against in Cincinnati who run that 3-3-5 defense, and you can run the football at them pretty much. It doesn't matter about your offensive line issues. You can run the football against that defense, and Alabama's defense was good enough to prevent Cincinnati's offense from being able to do a whole lot, and that that resulted in a win, and then you're in the national title game. And everybody's like, wow, you know, but it perception was it wasn't a great year. You never saw them really improve this statement game that there, this was supposed to act as for for Nick Saban to point to the team and say this is what can happen. They didn't improve from it. But this year, I still believe it's a different team. I, I think just when you've got Will Anderson screwing up like he was screwing up, and he's earned the right to have an off game like that, by the way. He's, he's played as close to perfect football for over two years as any player that I've ever seen during the Nick Saban era. So if he ends up having a – one bad game, and, and really it wasn't a bad game from a performance standpoint. It was just an uncharacteristically poor decisions at times. You know, it was lining up offsides that happens. It was jumping offsides. It was the late hit, whatever you call it. I don't even know what they call it after the guy rolled and he went ahead and hit him after he was clearly down. Um, You know, those are things that you don't get from Will Anderson typically. And so – when it's that bad, when when guys like that are having those type of performances, it was just one of those days. And what I will say, even Will Anderson was affected. He's one of the leaders of your football team. It went all the way up, man, as far as the personnel and the players. You know who wasn't rattled one single bit despite every bit of the chaos going on around him? Bryce Young. Cool as a cucumber. And somebody on the message board saying that, they want A.J. McCarron's passion and fiery personality. He was the one calming force amongst everybody on that sideline. And Nick Saban remained calm until the end when they were doing the horns down. But he, he has always been a, when things are going wrong, if I panic, everybody panics. And so he stays calm and he's calculated and he's trying to figure out how he fix it. That's Bryce Young. Zero panic, zero upset, zero – it looked like there's zero emotion. Every player that stepped on that field for those last couple of drives believed Bryce is going to do this for us. And the guys around him played better because I think they were so confident in Bryce being able to get the job done. Everybody. I know that from a, a viewership perspective, I was looking at that game, and at the end, I'm like, I fully believe Bryce is about to do this. I, yeah, I really I do. Too. Uh, when I saw that with the time left – with the, I know there were no timeouts. 
with, with the time left, I'm like, it's Bryce. This is Bryce. This is Bryce's game. This is what Bryce thrive. Bryce thrives in this, and uh, I think we can hold it together to at least give Riker a shot at this. Uh, and then, of course, Bryce made the big play. He did it with his legs again. I want to point out another thing we talked about all summer is is Bryce using his legs more often, not in design quarterback runs, not in hey let's see if he can rush for a thousand yards, not putting him at risk, but more of an aggressive willingness to make something happen with his legs ended up being the game-defining play when he spun out of the blitz and uh, made the yards necessary to give Riker a really fair shot at that at that field goal. One last question uh, that I have for you, Clint, uh, and, and, you know, I'm interested in, in your answer. It's why I'm asking. You're, you're the person to ask. Okay, I, I said before the game, Alabama win 42-21, to 21, and, and, and Texas scored 19 points and only one touchdown. Well, Alabama was three touchdowns short of, of what I thought they would score. I thought they would score three more touchdowns than they did. Would they have scored three more touchdowns if you simply eliminated the offensive penalties and the drops? Would, it, would that have been three more touchdowns? I'm not saying it is, but maybe. I mean, did they lose? And I'm doing quote marks for those of you that can't see this. <laughs> did they lose those three touchdowns completely as a result of penalties, sloppy mistakes, and drops? I will say they lost multiple touchdowns as a result mm -hmm. of that. Yes. Three touchdowns, maybe not, but I would say bare minimum one. I would more so lean towards two. And I mean, it, it, they kept. It was all self-inflicted. It was like you. Well, that's correctable. My point is that's correctable. That's that's all correctable stuff. Great point. It's not we're not good enough. It's correctable. It you are a hundred percent correct. And it was. Have we won the game forty-two to twenty-one? No one's really bitch. Well, people would bitch, but had we won forty-two to twenty-one, we'd still be the number one team in the country. I'm promise you that. Yeah, and and I, but I think it would be approached in the same way the Miami game was last year. You know, a pretty good team. Uh, that everybody was viewing pretty favorably. Alabama won big, but Nick Saban after the game actually got pretty pissed off because everybody was singing their praises how they just dominated Miami. And he's like, hey, in the second half, we didn't really do – they actually outscored us in the second half or they came close to outscoring us in the second half and we didn't sustain. And he had all these issues. You would have more so – it would be viewed that way. Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good football team. And I will say this. I mean, you want to talk about the respect that Texas has earned? They were out of the top 25 last week. They lose to Alabama, and now they're number 21. People are not giving Texas enough credit. I thought Steve Sarkeesian, unscripted, scripted, didn't matter. His play calling was on point. He had a great game plan. You knew how much that Quinn Ewers trusted the system and trusted his playmakers and stuff because he wasn't even reading stuff. When he was in there, it was quick RPO, uh, pull it, and I'm talking about he was launching it. It wasn't reading any. The one thing Alabama didn't do defensively is they did not ask Quinn Ewers to read, which granted, I don't know how much reading he would have been doing anyways because he was throwing that ball regardless of where that guy was. That was just trust. Hey, and, and Xavier Worthy dropped the one that I'm talking about in particular, but it was getting the football out of Quinn Ewers' hands. And I will say, Stark, what did he do when they lost Tua and they had to go to Mac in, what, 2019? Yep. He, had, he had to adjust everything that he did offensively because Mac has very different strengths than Tua, and he did that to perfection. He did it with Hudson Card as well. When he had to go from Quinn Ewers to Hudson Card, two very different players, two very different approaches, and Hudson ended up having a bummed ankle or bummed something was wrong with his leg. He was very clearly hobbled, and Stark kept that offense humming enough to be able to keep them in the football game. I thought he did a phenomenal uh, job. I think that te that Texas defense said going into the game, hey, they looked really good against Louisiana Monroe. They got some what what we think are some dudes on that side of the football. This weekend against Alabama will be the real test, though. We'll find out exactly where they are in their progress or their transition. Um, you know, becoming a, more of an elite defense in, under the new coaching staff, and they proved that they're a lot better or a lot further along than we thought that they were going to be. We didn't take that into account enough. Um, we didn't give the crowd enough credit and how much how difficult that would be. That crowd was absolutely rocking. The heat, we said it, hey, it's hot in Alabama. They're not going to struggle too much in that heat. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. 120 degrees on the field, and and you've got Texas running this game plan where it's east-west, you know, snap, run to the sideline, snap, run to the sideline, snap, run to the sideline. 
deep shot. That's the, that's essentially what Texas was doing in a, in simple terms. It was making Alabama's guys run, and then it was these random deep shots and just seeing what would hit, and a lot of them were hitting. And so it was just it was a good game plan, and it I think you know what you know what was went through my mind immediately, Jimmy, when Jace McClellan broke off that huge run, that eighty-one yard touchdown. My mind immediately was said, "That's wonderful." But now the defense is right back out there. Defense is right back on the field and it's hot. And it's hot. And I was like, I mean, that's great, but this this could affect them later. You know, they had, they were already it was a I don't remember how many plays it was the drive before, but Texas had had some success and and gotten some first downs and and had a bunch of plays. Alabama comes in there, they counter punch, touchdown, but it, then it's like, man, defense is right back out there. So, you know, the, the three and outs can hurt you in that way, but no one looks at it as a as a negative when you bust a big play and it's one snap. Me, on the other right. hand, especially with them playing Will Anderson 95% of the snaps, playing Dallas Turner 85% of the snaps, which I also thought was interesting, by the way, you know, that yeah. really in these types of games, when everything matters, you find out just what the coaching, like exactly where the coaching staff stands with their trust factor. And in this particular oh, yeah. game, when things were big, they trusted Dallas Turner. They trusted Will Anderson. They didn't take either one of those two guys off the field very much. Chris Braswell only got five snaps. Well, we talked about – I brought it up intentionally. I saw this coming. I brought it up intentionally on the Talk to Champions message board last week is, hey, they're going to play fewer players. I, I posed it as a question, but I did because I, I felt I really knew the answer. They're going to play fewer players, and, and that's simply because road environment, they're going to play the guys they trust. And, uh, and and I think we saw from your excellent snap count uh, pieces that you've written, uh, uh, the offense and the defense snap count piece – uh, shows that they did play fewer players, not whopping mountain by playing fewer players. People say, of course, they played fewer players. The game was tied to what, 55 nothing. No, I'm talking about the first team. When the first team was on the field, they played fewer players than they did the week before, uh, you know, when the first team played against Utah State. And Braswell being an excellent example of that, Braswell played a ton of snaps with the first team last week, uh, very few this week. And, uh, and that was pretty much true across the board. Well, and – you know, I, I kind of pointed – I thought we'd see more of that, you know, uh, not more. We'd see it for the first time, getting all three of your edge guys on the field at the same time. But the problem yeah. is, is if you do that, in a lot of situations, Texas, what their goal, and I think Alabama's primary yeah. concern was stopping the run. And Stopping the run. Bad game to do it. And, frankly, when uh, – I mean, I don't know Hudson Card's game extremely well, but just my general assumption is Card is more athletic than yours is not the dynamic passer that yours is. And once yours was out, Texas's game plan probably got a bit more conservative, uh, you know, uh, in terms of trying not to do too much with card uh, so he wouldn't lose the game. Uh, and, and that that affected Alabama's personnel on defense too. No no reason to sell out rushing the passer when, when they're going to play it more conservative. The last thing we're going to talk about, just because I know that we've hit on the wide receivers, we hit, we've hit on the offensive line, we've hit on Bill O'Brien. Let's talk a little bit about the cornerbacks because people are, mm -hmm. are asking. It's a big topic of conversation. Eli Ricks didn't play, so that has some people concerned. I don't know if it's injury-related. I don't know if just in these moments he hadn't earned the coaching staff's trust enough. Uh, right. It doesn't matter, but I will say this. Kyrie Jackson did get beat a couple of times early. He got replaced by Tyrion Arnold. I'm pretty sure right around the same time that he came in is when Quinn Ewers went out. So it's tough to evaluate because I feel like Texas, you know, vertical shots and all those things that they were trying to do early, that slowed down a ton once Hudson Card came in the game, which does make me think, okay, would he have performed as well if Quinn Ewers would have stayed in or would he have, have had some similar issues as Kyrie Jackson? I can't answer that question. What I can tell you, though, is he got the opportunity. That's all you can do. You can't ask any more of him from that than that and he performed I went back and watched extremely well Tyrion Arnold did when he came in for Kyrie Jackson I think I mean it looks like and Kool-Aid didn't have a great game uh I, 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 you know he gave up several catches but he's one of the guys moving forward in my opinion I don't think anybody's questioning that at this point you might want him to be replaced I've seen people say I want Tyrion Arnold and I want Eli Rex why why does the why doesn't the coaching staff agree with you? Are you a better evaluator of talent than they are? Is that what we're trying to say? Because there's some odd reason. I don't know what it is, but Eli Ricks didn't play on Saturday. And if he's banged up, you don't want to hobble to Eli Ricks out there. You know, when he gets healthy, we'll find out what the coaching staff thinks about him. But for whatever reason, I did think he looked pretty good against Utah State, but 
the coaching staff tends to disagree with you. But I think next week you're getting Kool-Aid McKinstry and you're getting Tyrion Arnold. What are your thoughts on the cornerbacks before we hop out of here? Yeah, I think Kool-Aid and Tyrion will be the starters next week against Monroe. And 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 I don't know, Ricks may have been banged up. Wouldn't have been the first time. That, that shouldn't be surprising to anybody because Rick, we knew Ricks had struggled. And I think uh, Nick had, had specifically said it was a back injury and those things can, can linger. Uh, you know, so – I'm going to assume Ricks is hurt. If he was healthy, then it then it's a trust thing with the playbook. Uh, and there's been some discussion about that. All the the time that Ricks has missed has led to him maybe not being up to speed as much on, on, on all he needs to know. So those things make sense to me in retrospect as to why we didn't see Ricks either hurt or the trust factor. Uh, but these next two games are an excellent opportunity to learn the defense because you're, you know, you're, you're not worried about Monroe and, and Vandy repeatedly going over the top and beating the corner deep. So I think McKinstry and Arnold will start. I do believe Eli Ricks, if healthy, will be a starting cornerback on this team. Uh, but Kool-Aid's not being replaced. He, he's he's elite. Corners get beat. Corner NFL corners might be the best athletes in the world. And all day, yesterday on your television set, NFL cornerbacks were getting beat all day long. That's that's just the nature of the position, and it's right in front of the viewer. The funny thing is about a cornerback getting beat, Clint, oftentimes cornerbacks are beat deep because the pass rush didn't get to the quarterback and they gave him all day. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not always just on the cornerback when, 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 those, when those balls are completed. Uh, and again, he, you know, Kool-Aid probably gave up six or seven balls in the game. He also played around 70 snaps. I mean, you know, so it's that's that's that that you know there there were good snaps in there too, um, but but yeah, corner is a question. I question basically nothing else. I think the defense is great, and uh, I'll go ahead and, and ruin the suspense because I know people are dying. But uh, I, I I'm I'm pretty comfortable in saying I'm going to predict a shutout for Saturday, uh, and, and and if if I'm right about that, and Alabama does shut out Monroe, that'll mean Alabama's given up one touchdown in twelve quarters, and uh, at that point. Golding, you know, and again, it's, it's the opponents, sure, but hey, one touchdown, twelve quarters, pretty good. Even you're playing against uh, NAIA teams. Well, hey, yeah, I mean, and I do feel like Texas passed up on a lot of opportunities. I would have been more aggressive had I been them, but you're 100 percent right in your assessment. I mean, and I do, you know, I trust Alabama's ability defensively to take that old approach where it's like. You know, we used to always say they'd lose to a team like Ole Miss or, or Texas A&M and it'd be like, man, I would hate to be that next opponent because they're going to just – they're going to take out all of their frustrations from that game on them and they're going to slaughter them. We don't have right. those same thoughts nowadays, but we I will say I feel pretty confident in the defense's ability to get that done after – you know, the, and Will Anderson in particular. I think he's going to play like a madman. Or he might play 20 snaps again to conserve him for, for SEC play. I don't know what will happen with that. We'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, um, this has been a good conversation. I'm sure there's plenty of other talking points people wanted us to cover. It's very tough. I mean, we ended up spending, I think, over an hour on here. Uh hope we talked about enough for people. We'll be touching on a lot of this stuff, you know, throughout the week. We've got Monday Night Quarterback tonight on Bama Insider, uh, the YouTube channel. You know, I'll be joining on Wednesday with Kyle and, and we'll do pregame shows and postgame shows and all those things. So you'll get you'll get us plenty this week. And we are going, you know, we were gonna do a YouTube live show and just, you know, you're traveling. It would have been impossible to do it yesterday. Uh and and last week, and I don't know if people even know this, but I somehow injured my eye with with my credential. I uh, still don't fully know. I, I was had my hat backwards, which was probably my first mistake in in the press box right before the game started. I popped myself in the eye with it while I was trying to put it, my credentials back on, and it I essentially gave myself a paper cut on my eye, except for it really didn't. You couldn't really tell. Um, it was visibly nothing wrong with it, but it was blurry the rest of the game. I was really ticked off that I was having to watch the game blurry, and I'd done that to myself. And then woke up the next morning, and I wanted to die. Uh, I couldn't open my eye like my my whole body was thinking like I was poor, you know, crying really bad. And so my nose was getting stopped up because my eye wouldn't stop watering and I couldn't open it. And the light was sensitive. And I was just like, what have I done? And then ended up having to go to the ER a couple of different places. And so last Sunday I was out of commish. I didn't do a single thing that day. That's our, like our supposed to be our busiest days. And I did absolutely nothing. And then this week it's just Sundays are really tough, but that means that we're going to continue on with the Bama on three show might rename it uh that's not really we don't want to confuse people with brands or anything but people are going to get 
you know, this show moving forward at least once a week. So if you've been missing it, don't worry. Jimmy and I are back. I just, I know it was great being back on here with you, buddy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and glad to see you recover uh, from your battle with your uh, press credential. Boy, power of the uh, power of the First Amendment, huh? I was trying to get workers' <laughs> comp, man. I was like, hey, can I, <laughs> uh, injured on the job. What can I do here? Hey, we, we, we going to take advantage of that? No, I'm just kidding. But it was it was wild. Uh, and I didn't have binoculars. Like, I have, I've always had great vision. So when it happened, I was like, I don't know. I'm going to see this football game. And I'm like, I'm like one eye squinting a little bit. And then, you know, my, my depth per- perception was thrown off. It was, it was, <clears throat> wasn't great. Um, <laughs> well, wouldn't recommend it. And then when I was trying to explain it to people, I felt very dumb. The doctor was like, how'd you do this? I'm like, can we just address the issue and That's not really talk about how it happened? <laughs> I don't even feel like getting into all this. Um, but anyways, <laughs> We only got we got less than a minute, but Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. We'll be back next week. This was fun, and we appreciate everybody hopping back in here and, and tuning in to another Bama on 3 show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, and we'll talk to you guys soon.